Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode contains some mild adult language. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Animation Communication. I'm your host, um, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, for those new and or think the lather or think the former is very confusing, which it is. Everyone tells me that. So this episode is about an animation music stuff and just general music things in general, scoring for animation projects, scoring for fan projects, just making your own original music for the internet audience because the internet is a great place where you can just upload stuff, you know, and get feedback from people and then everyone will tell you how much they don't like it. So, yay. Um, so any of the, um, any promising musicians or maybe if you're in high school or middle school and you're like, I want to make fan video stuff and I'm just like, okay, prepared not to make a lot of money, but you do that, golden child. So anyway, um, joining me is, as usual, my co-host Lauren. Say say hi, Lauren, and how are you doing? Yes, hello, everybody. This is a very, very exciting, very beautiful day. So it'll be a it'll be a great podcast. It's hot today to on it. my end. Um, I regret wearing, I, I yeah, regret wearing leggings, but oh well. Um, I, I, I like pain. It's it's fine. So um, and then I have my guests. Um, so we have Kyle A Allen, um, who has a big musician channel on YouTube, and then um, my friend Thomas, who is a uh, team member who's been on the team for several years at this point, and he has scored the majority of um, my projects since that point, I guess. So Kyle, um, you want to say hi first and do a little quick intro before we get into the news? Yeah, hey, uh, so my name is Kyle. Um, I am the owner of a channel called Kyle Allen Music. And basically, I am a nerd that makes songs about games on YouTube, and I'm working towards doing more original stuff. But uh, yeah, that's my job pretty much, and it's really fun. Yeah, this guy is baller. He's been making music for video games, for movies, for TV shows, for like pretty much everything. You've been running the gamut on like so much pop culture. You're, you're yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much whatever I can do and whatever I'm asked to like help on, I will just pretty much go for it. You know, take every chance I get and just work on whatever I can. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. And um, Thomas, tell us a little bit about you. Why do you? Who are you? Why do you? Why do you make music? Like briefly. That's a very philosophical question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I'm basically uh, I'm trying to get into music for video games and film and TV. Um, I've recently finished my master's for sound and music in games. Um, I've done some game jams and uh, scored a short film, and I've done the animations for Team KP. Um, what are some of the things that you scored off the top of your head? Because I don't remember. So, <laughs> okay, so I remember my first one for definite, which is what if KP was Discord again? Um. Yeah, that was that was a really fun one to work on. I did the discordantly one. I might be mispronouncing that. I don't know how to say words. Yeah, that that's correct. Um, You're good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's the most recent one? 
Uh, I, oh, the most recent one was that um, channel trailer that just came out. Uh, I did the piano piece for that. I was quite happy with it. Did you did remind me? Did you record or you did you um, do the music for um, um, what's the, what's Princess Bride? Well, that. But the other what's the other one? I did do what's that. the the one that we made? Um, where Discord is sad because he gets he doesn't get he gets excommunicated. I don't remember. I'll think about it. Um, that that sounds like uh, a lot of Discord. Yeah, it's uh, no, that was discordantly yeah, when it. No, I'm sure no. that that's the one where he's super sad. Okay. Um. Well, yeah. There's a lot. Of, there's a theme going on, but there's another one. I'll I'll think about it. Okay. And thank you again. Thank you for joining us today too, Thomas. It's, it's great to have this you. This is on the whole board. podcast. Yeah, we try to figure awesome. out this thing that I that I made without googling it. So <laughs> it's a game. It's a game. Uh, side project. Okay, so we'll start as always with animation news. Not that we have a lot of it because, as usual, in the coronavirus um, time of this recording, not much is happening for the most part. But um, there was a big story that broke that Lauren is very excited about. So Lauren, tell us about how excited you are. Yeah, so uh, apparently we have in this in this era of you know pandemic fear and craziness, uh, there has been obviously the rise, and we've been t- talking about this for a few weeks now, is um, a rise in video on demand releases, uh, where movie studios have been transitioning their uh, uh, theatrical releases or what was supposed to be a theatrical release, and they're moving them to VOD instead, uh, in order to uh, make profit that way. Uh, Trolls World, World Tour was the very first movie to be theatrically released and also put on VOD at the same time. This was uh, Universal's test to see how well it would do. And uh, it turns out, uh, I think Trolls World Tour has already reached almost a million, a hundred million dollars just from VOD alone <laughs> within three weeks. Wow. And uh, so, so Universal is considering that an extreme success, which I, I don't blame them. Uh, however, AMC and then backed up by Regal Cin- Cinemas, uh, both are now saying, uh, in retaliation against Universal's claim uh, that they don't want to play Universal's movies anymore in their theaters <laughs> at all, uh, a- <laughs> saying wow. like they they truly believe that if. The coronavirus wasn't happening and people weren't homebound. That Trolls World, World Tour still would have been successful in theaters and still would have made a lot of money. Um, but I mean, given that's not our really, you know, not really our, our reality right now. Uh, what's what's happened has happened and is still happening, and people are still responding really well to the movie, still downloading it, and uh, and more studios are gonna pretty much be slating their movies for VOD release at this point until people can go back to theaters. That is, if we have enough theaters to go back to after this all clears up. Uh, AMC has not been doing too well uh, financially. They've been kind of trying to keep their head above water at this point um, because nobody's going to the theaters. Um, And then uh, Regal Cinema is also pretty much, I believe, in the same situation. So, yeah, it's kind of a a mess for the theaters right now. Uh, but it's but now everybody's saying that Trolls World Tour was some like controversial film <laughs> when really it isn't. It's just like <laughs> Wait, I'm like what? it's just it's they're saying it's controversial only because of uh because of all of this whole mess with AMC and Regal. Um, it's just it's just made to to be a happy fun film that the families can enjoy, 
you know? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I, I think so too. And, and I think everything is moving to uh, to digital these days. Everything's going online. And as much as I love going to the theater and getting that, that social experience, which I'm still going to do once this virus is gone, um, I still think there's a high demand for online as well because that's the immediate factor. Mm-hmm. People, people want stuff right now. It's, we're kind of in... It, 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 I mean, we were already a cultural cultural pardon me i can speak of of instant (laughs) instant gratification and so Mm -hmm. but then then feel that with people being stuck at home with nothing to do and they're like well i want to see movies yeah then obviously it's like people will throw money at it because they're stuck at home and they want to see something new so that's what happened with scoob i don't know if you guys heard the news about that um like I know, maybe mm-hmm. you know. This, I, I live, you know, but, <laughs> but uh, Sco- the Scooby Doo was supposed to be released. The new Scooby Doo movie, which is supposed to launch the whole Hanna Barbera cinematic universe. Uh, <laughs> I, they, they move. Really? I, I, yes, I'm not kidding. Oh, it's. I mean, <laughs> you'll see. You'll see when the movie comes out. They've been teasing it a whole bunch in the trailers with, um, you know, with uh, Dynamut, and uh, they're gonna have, you know, obviously uh, Dick Dastardly and Muttley. I've got a question. Uh, so they're, they're trying. Is uh, yeah. is the Harlem Globetrotters and John Cena part of the Hanna Barbera? <laughs> you believe <laughs> hard enough. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like they they technically, if you want to, be- if you want to con- include the home releases where they have been using the WWE <laughs> brand to help boost both Hanna Barbera. Properties and WWE. Oh, and, and Kiss. Yes, we can get of course, Kiss. Yeah, <laughs> and Kiss had one of the best ones, by the way, for Scooby Doo. <laughs> but um, the the rock and roll mystery. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, Scooby Doo, the Scooby Doo movie called Scoob, uh, is still going to be released on May fifteenth, as it was supposed to be released in theaters. But they're instead moving it to strictly VOD, as we're pretty sure we're looking at this as theaters are not going to be opening anytime soon this month, at least as far as we can tell. So uh, Warner Brothers was very was pretty quick to jump on the gun to like switch it out for switch it out for VOD. Everybody was kind of worried like what's going to happen now. All these like Warner Brothers movies are being either delayed and we and they don't have a date as to when they're going to be released. And then they just revealed, oh, we're going to VOD with well, them. So yeah, I just I just wanted to say I I feel like in the next hundred years or so like like freeballing it a little bit. I think you know theaters will become obsolete. Um, people won't see the need, besides the social experience, people won't see the need to really go to the de- to theaters and especially with the rise of, like, I think what's happening is the coronavirus is forcing, um, like, uh, sociological changes that were probably going to happen anyway to happen faster. Like, the whole, like, craze as far as ordering groceries online and picking them up at the store, like, that was a thing before the coronavirus, but now people are much more dependent on it, um, you know, and... I think, you know, I I don't know the intricacies of having a movie play in a theater, but I imagine there's some sort of licensing fee. And um, if if companies don't want to do that or don't want to deal with that, um, then there, there, don't see, there doesn't seem to be a lot of repercussions for just re- releasing it digitally on their end. And I kind of think of how different things would be if the... Um, the Disney sequels were being released this way like 10 years or 20 years later. I don't know. I'm old. So. <laughs> but I think it's just <laughs> funny that AMC is basically acting like a spoiled child that it's just like, well, fine, if they don't want to play with us, we're just going to block them. And like, they're not going to have that choice to keep on blocking studios that just want to stream on demand. Um, you know, as, as time goes on, they're 
I, I think that's just a really like foolish, immature um, decision. But you know, I don't, I don't know. I can, I can see that it's very, it's a very emotional one. And as much as like people like Steven Spielberg are like, go see films and movies and stuff like that. Like I think theaters will still be around as just kind of like a, um, you know, as as a Hollywood thingy. Like you know, just for the atmosphere. But I I see just gen- the general theater populace as far as just around the country, unless it's a Star Wars. You know, like it just people like what's convenient, and um, you know, if they just want to see something and it's easier to, to stream it on demand than going to the movie theater to see it, then they're just gonna do that. And like everyone was just like, "Oh, Netflix will never replace Blockbuster, Mohaha. And um, yeah, look how that happened. <laughs> so I think theaters are kind of in the same. How how much does that age us that we reference Blockbuster? <laughs> it just it. Remember Hollywood oh, video? God. It's now here and it's time of need. <laughs> I, s- I think there's what? There's still one blockbuster in the country or like in existence right now, but it's like independently one. It's There's one and I believe there's one in, I think, Alaska. It's either Alaska or Oregon. I think Oregon. it's Oregon because I remember that John Oliver like tried Oregon? to help save the Alaska one, but it failed. Right. So um, that was just origin. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah, so Oregon's the only one left. That's right, because there, when it was down to two, it was yeah. Alaska and Oregon. But then, yeah, you're right. So it is Oregon. So that one's still running. So guys, go visit <laughs> anybody they, in Oregon. Go visit your they, local They have t-shirts blockbuster. that say, we're the last block. You can blockbuster. go in a car. I need a plane. <laughs> go ahead, Thomas. <laughs> uh, I, I'd need a plane or maybe some very strong swimming arms and like just, just... to just try and get to where... Uh, Oregon or Alaska. <laughs> um, uh, that's that's a British reference. So he's he's from Britain. So that's that's why he's saying ocean. I'm just like, where? How could people possibly tell I'm British from my? I don't accent? I don't know. I'm just possible. I don't know. Don't you know? <laughs> don't you? Know? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Well, cup of tea. Cup of tea. All all of the stereotypes. <laughs> like I I think half of my. Hey, <laughs> I was just. Tea is underrated uh tea time anyway yeah i think half the team is british at this point like like currently but you know mm. whatever um so we'll yeah. move on to the the topic at hand which is um making music for the internet and making both fan and original content so we'll start with we'll we'll do it this way we'll we'll ask the questions and then um kyle can answer and then thomas can answer and we'll go back and forth and feel free to oh is that yeah I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just establishing an order, so we're not all talking over each other. So, you know, and feel free. Obviously, everyone can have a dialogue, yeah. and they're just like, "Huh, that sounds interesting. Tell me, tell me more about, about the tea." So, go ahead, to Kyle. How, how, how about we ask the questions? I don't, I don't write music, it. so I don't know how how great that would be. But you can, you can try that. We'll switch it up a little bit. I can only carry that discussion. So, what's far. your favorite kind of music, KP? And like the kind that is already made. So, you know, that's my interview. <laughs> yeah, that narrows it down. The kind that I listen to on my phone. You know, there we go. Okay, um, so I'm kind of freeballing it. So, Lauren, if you have any more intricate questions than just like. You know the basics. Feel free to jump in and, and yell at me. So uh, I guess starting with Kyle. So Kyle, tell us a little bit about growing up and realizing you like music, and um, you know, kind of having that become a part of uh, your identity as a as a person. Deep phil- philosophical questions. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, 
I grew up in a musical family, which is pretty common, I guess, for most musicians. We kind of either had one, at least one musical parent. And uh, let's see, my mom was a music teacher and my dad uh, played guitar. And um, when I was little, I think I kind of realized that, well, I didn't know that I wanted to make music until high school, but I kind of figured that music was a huge part of my life at a young age. Cause like I would, um, especially with singing, I would tap on things around the house, like a vase or a bowl or whatever. And then I'd sing back the pitch that it kind of resonated. So that was like a huge, like, like, um, a huge like sign from my parents that they should probably put me in some kind of music program. Uh, and then I joined a, uh, a boys choir for about five, six years. Um, and after that, I just did more choirs all through high school, middle school, et cetera, uh, even into college a little bit. And um, I learned most of my music theory and music uh, in general just through choir. Um, and then I was self-taught music writing. So I learned how to write music on my own. I started with a program called Sibelius, which is basically writing music with notation and notes and stuff and sheet music. Uh, and then I switched to a more professional, not professional, but a more modern uh so I have more stuff to do. I can do more things with it. And that's FL studio, uh, which is very um, high end production kind of stuff you can do with it. And that's what I use now. Um, so it was in, uh, it was um, around right after I decided to drop out of college, I did a fan song for this game called bending the ink machine. And that it was, I, I didn't nearly know much about the game other than like, it, it was like really reminiscent of Disney, uh, like the old, older, like 1950s, 1930s Disney. And uh, the style was really unique. It was really creepy. And I'm like, oh, I got to do a song on this. So I whipped up something in like, you know, three, four hours, uh, not knowing at all, like what was going to happen afterwards. And it was apparently one of the first ones of that game, like the first fan songs for that game. And that's how I got introduced to this community called the Nerdcore community. That's how I got, you know, into that. Um, that that song then got remixed by Living Tombstone, and that led me to meeting DA Games. And then I started making more fan songs, and I I, I kind of just built my roots into this whole like community of making songs about games. Um, and after that, I got like more you know options to do things for films and and uh, comics and all these other things. And it just keeps surprising me and getting in and changing all the time. And, and that's how I kind of got into what I'm doing now. That's great. And so it really did all start with Bendy, huh? So, uh, and you hadn't, yeah. so you hadn't played the game. You hadn't seen much of it. How did, had you seen gameplay of it or something like that? Or how, because I mean, where, how does the inspiration strike for something that you haven't like, I, I, I learned about it because I knew the Meatly before he was famous. Okay. <laughs> I knew I knew the the Meatly, the creator of the game, um, before the like because I remember he would like I, I would I would uh, I was um, following him on Twitter because he would post all these really funny comics about game development, which I also do on the side. I do I make games on the side, um, but I related to those uh, those those comics a lot because they were so funny. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know that struggle about doing this with games. And, um, yeah, and then he kept posting things about how he's working on a, a small game uh, called Bendy. And I'm like, oh, wow, this looks really cool, really unique style. It's, like, 
you know, everything is made of artwork. That's so cool. And once he released it, I kind of just, uh, I just checked it out. I watched a let's play on it real quick. Uh, and then I made the song <laughs> and that was it. That was history after that. Wow. Does he still talk yeah. to you even though he's, he's, he's more famous or now? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes he'll reply to my stuff on the Bendy content, but he is so busy. He is that, so. That's so usually busy. what happens. Um, yeah. From what I can tell, Lauren, can you can yeah. you tell about the the Seth MacFarlane thing with uh, Butch real quick? Because I think it's it's similar. Yeah, yeah, it. Uh, I was gonna say I say I'm I'm friends with Butch Hartman, and he did kind of say like uh, that he uh, he and Seth MacFarlane used to work together back at Cartoon Network. And uh, mm-hmm. basically, at uh, in the midst of the Hanna Barbera stuff, so uh, uh, and he did mention at one point, like you know, Seth MacFarlane used to room with him and stuff like that when they when he was a a young and a little kid artist, and uh, <laughs> not really a kid, but you know, kid in the industry. And then uh, and then basically things took off after Family Guy, and he like rarely ever hears from him. But I'm like, how's? Do you ever get to hear from him? And he's like, like once in a blue moon, maybe. But he's just like, he's kind of so busy that I'm just like, oh, imagine that the, the, you know, he was this, you know, he was this kid that you know roomed with me and my then girlfriend, now wife, <laughs> and when we were working <laughs> at Hanna Barbera, and so, um, so I thought that was That's so interesting. Yeah, and so yeah, really cool guy. Lots of amazing stories, and uh, yeah, and but yeah, kind of the same situation. <laughs> Yeah, and I think something that um, people will often confuse that lack of response as being ignored because they're bigger, but that's rarely the case I'm starting to, to realize is that they're not really ignoring you because it's they're just so busy. They're, they're constantly working. They're constantly having to manage a lot of people and make sure that they're, the things they're working on get out on time and these deals are being made and... Um, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's definitely difficult for them. So mm-hmm. I'm, start, I'm starting to realize that more and more. Of lack of responsibility in, 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 in that sense. Yeah. To sort of keep yeah. up with these projects. Definitely. I mean, even I don't see. I don't consider myself a big YouTuber. I still consider myself like still growing and stuff. But even I'm starting to get to that point too, where uh, I I don't respond to my friends as much because I have a lot of responsibility and I have a lot of work to do. And um, I I just don't want them thinking that I'm like neglecting them or anything. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think for a lot of people it ends up being this situation because yeah mm-hmm. yeah you can only answer so many messages and keep in touch with so many people at a time uh, without going insane. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh yeah I, no yeah I was just gonna do a, 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 yeah. a an ad lib or like a little subsection of that like uh, my golden rule as far as that is just like if you're busy then that like life is is a bitch sometimes but just just tell the other person like hey i'm busy i'll probably get back to you like in a couple of weeks but I've, i'm doing this thing right now and the other thing on the other side of the the spectrum don't ever demand someone's attention and don't be like you have to respond to me right now this instant or else um i've had fan experiences that way and it just mm-hmm. seems like i don't i don't like yeah, you know same. we don't owe you anything we don't owe you our time just because you're you're like you know aggressive and don't kind of assume that just because someone's active on social media even though like posts you sending them a message that's not necessarily them ignoring you that's just like 
you know, they might be in a different place where they're just trying to cool down and they're just like, I don't want to talk to another person. I'm just going to post my, my memes on Twitter and then have, be done for the day. And then that's kind of how things forget. So, you know, my my advice is just like, if just just be like, hey, guys, I'm busy. I will get back to you like around this time. So that way your friends kind of know that you're not dead, but you're not you don't feel bad for just saying for just ignoring them outright. So, yeah, and I, I try and usually I. I try and usually go through my messages um, towards the end of the night because that, that way I'm done with my work. I'm settling down. I, I'm starting to relax and I can just go through everything and, you know, feel, do I that. Feel. All right. Uh, backtracking to, to Thomas. <laughs> so, Thomas, uh, what, you, what was your childhood like? Um, how did you know you wanted to start making music and, you know, that kind of thing? How much? Let us begin this dark tale. <laughs> 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 Gruesome Tales for Gruesome Kids, or whatever it was called. <laughs> okay, so... Um, uh, so, uh, when you meant... Sorry, this is a bit of a tiny side note, but when you meant mentioned Sebadius, that took me back. <laughs> back to, like, secondary school, and in a way, the horrors, because I, I was not fond. Making anything harder than hot cross buns took me out. Um... So yeah, my, my my parents are, you know, interested in music. My mum did some singing before, and my dad did a bit of guitar, but not uh, too much. And basically, um, like my brother and I, we'd play uh, in like a metal band together when I was about thirteen. So I was playing guitar at eleven. Um, and that's for starting to music and into games. Um, like when I was a child, I, I uh, loved video game music, but no one else I knew cared, like or even heard it as proper music, and I thought that was weird. But when I was in, in college, I found out that some people actually did that for a living and not just a hobby. So I started trying to look into it. Um, and so I was doing a music performance course for guitar and contemporary music, but on the side, alongside doing that, I was trying to learn how to do music for film and game on my own. And actually KP, you were the, uh, yeah, I believe, yeah, you were the first experience I got in uh, music for moving images um like on my college course I did um you know stuff for the course that you got to do music to a, a scene but doing music for this channel was the first time I got to um actually communicate with the team and um score music score to something that hasn't had music before if you know what I mean um so i was doing that for and the stuff on the kp music is i i i think it's part of the reason i got onto my masters because uh it was showing experience with music to to images because i had only done like two game jams uh should i explain what a game jam uh, is yes please or, okay so like a game jam is uh an event uh, where people, uh, uh, a bunch of people, 
like form little teams to make a game within a certain time frame like typically 48 hours could be more could be less uh i recommend it it okay if anyone here is interested in music for games specifically go into a place called itch.io the website itch.io that on that place you can find every game jam that's running and there's stuff running all the time sometimes online sometimes in person so i recommend it um so i was you know doing the game jams doing kp and then uh i did like a short film with barrett uh but sorry bennett why did i say barrett? <laughs> uh, bennett and uh called a shattered vow Be- and that was really good experience bennett was a past team and member then... so in case you just don't know who just bennett a singular mm-hmm. name is then that's who that is but anyway continue <laughs> yeah so yeah bennett and um so i've just been I've just done the master's course. That's taught me a lot. I reckon I was I did a uh, signing music for interactive games at Leeds Beckett University. There's a man. There's a tutor there called Richard Stevens, and he's a really good teacher. Um, and and that, so that's basically my experience. I mainly did guitar, you know, guitar, bass, and vocals uh, in like metal bands and. Um, then just general contemporary music and then I sort of transitioned from that into what I wanted what I want to do essentially my my things changed over time as I realised it was something viable to do if you really work hard at it you know and but yeah that's it, basically. Okay, I'm um, I'm gonna jump in before we move on to the more technical questions. So, um, my questions are for you two. This should be rather, this this part should be rather short. But, um, where do you guys particularly find your ins- inspiration for making uh, both fan content and original anim? I say original animations as a as a as a go to original music, um, because I know especially with fan content when you're monetizing is tricky and sometimes you can't do it if you're using um specific assets or a specific you know the 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 song can be picked up on the on the youtubes or whatever um so there's a chance that it just might be non-profit or in creative commons or whatever um so where do you guys find your inspirations to continue to like still write music if that's the case if it's in a fan content setting and then uh, same similar question but for original music where do you guys find your general inspirations yeah i'll go first um so since this is something i do pretty much on a daily basis um i i it typically doesn't fall into uh any copyright or anything like that because uh like the melody is original the lyrics are original um everything's pretty much original except for the like what i'm singing about and the characters that i'm singing about and um typically uh the people who i'm like who made the the content that i'm singing about they don't mind they're they're pretty much just like you're promoting my my content so go for it (laughs) you know so uh i i just say like just don't don't rip anything from the people who made it unless they're okay with it like if you're making a 3d music video or something like you know, make sure you get their permission first. Or if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, um, use like the vocals from something or to remix it, you know, make sure you get their permission first. 
Um, and, and then once you get all that, then then you can kind of just put it all together, go for it, get creative. Um, but yeah, do your research first before starting to do all that because you you can't, then you're risking it. Then you're risking getting you know a, a copyright strike from you know big companies like Warner Brothers. <laughs> I was gonna say your workaround sometimes, uh, Kyle, is sometimes that you have like guest vocalists and stuff like Elsie Lovelock and and stuff like that. So uh, is that is that like kind of like how you work around in case so you don't have to worry about taking somebody's like you know game vocals or anything like that. Um, no, <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of just work with people, um, because I just love what they do. I don't really think about the benefit for me and like what it's going to help me with, uh, with, with copyright or anything like that. I just, I, I just, I just love, I love having something other than myself sing in the vocals especially if it's a girl's voice i, I can't mm-hmm. do a girl's voice <laughs> so i yeah. so i gotta have someone who can do a girl's voice uh sing the vocals and and uh after a while you start kind of narrowing it down to your two favorite people you like to work with because mm-hmm. you know they get back to you on time and, and and they love working with you and you got a good tell flow, me about so. it <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Well, that's like a whole other episode <laughs> of like dealing with producer problems <laughs> What, yeah. if, what about you, Thomas? What is your um, motivations for both fan music and then um, original music and or stuff? I just say, hey, I need this thing. Please, please do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. So first part, I don't really have anything to add because I don't uh, make like, obviously I'm doing making fan music for this channel, but I don't personally feel the repercussions of a strike or, or or you know i don't have any monetization from it so i don't um i can't you know uh what's the word relate relate yeah relate to the to that kind of thing like motivation uh for original music is more um i think i think it, it the motivation is part partly like keeping keeping yourself busy and um you have to remind yourself that um i think it can be uh, i think sometimes musicians so some musicians i know don't like practice enough in a way because when you're writing music for stuff like this you're not only doing it to have a finish to have a finished product and be done with it it's practice you know you're learning uh from it and i think it's that's part of the what drives me to uh to keep doing it is that is to make myself uh be- is to make myself better and um it's good to experiment with different techniques um you know like oh here's an example uh, Kate with KP. Uh, I did the music for the uh, the Discord one where you have uh, to be more Discord. specific. Uh, yeah, Discord, Discord, Discord. KP. Uh, no, it's the Mickey Mousing one where we used the Mickey Mouse technique for the music. Uh, oh, it's it, the Discord one where goes he goes and in... yeah, yeah. Equestria yeah. Girls. Yeah, that's it. So like, uh, I hadn't. 
I'd obviously I'd seen that technique in or in in certain films, uh, and I, like me like mainly older animation, um, but I had never done it before. So, like something like that, it, it's like a new challenge, and you're teaching yourself a new skill by doing it. And I think, you know, that that is good motivation, being able to try something different, and even if you're doing something where they don't where they don't give you a very particular direction that's when you give yourself your own challenge to try something new. So you kind of, instead of just kind of having more of like an insp- a typical like artist artistic muse, like inspiration, I have to write this thing down. It's more like putting yourself in situations where you have to do something you're not familiar with and, and um, approaching it as an actual kind of challenge or, you know, stretching your legs mm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So, like, what... I don't know if this is exactly the question, but one more like little thing is uh, in terms of inspiration for writing music, um, like the way my mind works, and I've heard it's different for other people. Have you ever heard about the thing where people hear in colour, like hear music in colour or in visuals? or anything or anything like that? Have you heard of that um, before? Hyper- I mean, isn't that just what Fantasia is as a, as a general concept? <laughs> I guess, but but yeah, yeah. There's, there's people who uh, are sort of like that, and I'm I'm like that in that when I hear music, I see visuals, like I visualize music in like a cinematic way, and I have a friend, a couple of friends who hear music in color. So when they're writing music or hearing stuff, they 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 see it as a color, as a as a feeling. So, um. When I hear, uh, when I, and it also works in reverse in that when I see the animation uh, that, that's sent to me or the game, I hear music comes to me straight away or I, I'm churning stuff out in my head before I put anything on paper. Um, yeah, that's basically how I sort of uh, am inspired to write music if that makes sense, like, to visuals. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, because I, I it, yeah, some people just, like, that's how, that's how the creative flow works. That's how their brain works, and that's awesome that it, it's just, like, it just comes to you naturally. Uh, Kyle, mm-hmm. how, how, yeah. do you, how do you sort of perceive music in that sense? I'm curious. Do you... Uh, like, with, with, like, are you asking if I associate colors and music uh, i mean it doesn't have to be specifically that but like for example let's say um when when you're doing i don't you meant, mentioned a bendy and the ink machine right uh you did music for that the, yeah, yeah was the visuals for that uh for that video it for that video the music you made was it a video or was it just audio um oh no, it was just um, for that very first one. I just I had no idea what I was gonna do for the video because it was like my second video I've made that was kind of like fan inspired. Um, so it was just honestly a background and then like a pulsating bendy head. Okay. <laughs> that's all it was. Right. So maybe that's yeah, not it the wasn't best much. example for me then. Uh... No, but but going going on to the like more and more into the the future, like where I am now. 
Um, I, I will often make the songs imagining a story going with it and seeing like kind of setting it up because it makes it easier for the animators to um, get better ideas for storyboarding with me and, and figuring out ideas to put into the music video. Um, it, it, if I make it more like interactive and flow more and it, little things like that. Um, so I guess that's something. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really but, interesting. I I also can uh can have that thing though where I can if you I can hear colors I guess you can say <laughs> oh you, you do too yeah yeah I I have that a little bit myself yeah I I don't rely on it for anything but um like if I see a beautiful if I see the color green I think of a beautiful like green landscape and I think of Ireland and then I kind of think of like like more like um like a Irish um Folk, like perhaps. like uh music or like film score kind of a thing or if i think of blue i think of like the ocean i think more like harp music and more um peaceful like legato strings red i think more harsh music but it it, it can be interpreted differently too so yeah okay yeah cheers ransom uh lauren you want to do the next question yeah sure um so that was talking about inspiration. Uh, to talk about talking about you, Kyle. Uh, you have this incredible team that c- helps create stellar music videos, and you know. Oh so that gosh, might... they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. So w- uh, when did you start developing your team? How did you pull your team together? Oh man, they are amazing people. They are just talented as heck, and I I wish I could do what they do, but I can't <laughs> because. They are so talented. Okay. So it started with, okay. When I first started doing all of this, I had no references. I had, I, I, all I knew what to do was what I did by myself, but I started looking into other people who do what I do and seeing like what they do. Um, and, and I started looking for freelancers that work with those people, you know, people who aren't like specifically contracted to only work with those people who can work with others. Uh, and I found people like Pedro and Andrew, for example, who worked on Living Tombstones videos quite a bit. Um, and since we collaborated, um, I got to talk to them and meet them and, and um, hire them eventually for a couple things. And uh, it really started with, um, I think it started with with those guys, Andrew and Pedro, um, who do a lot of After Effects things. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what was... I can't remember what that was so long ago. <laughs> give me uh give me like a second. Uh I'm actually gonna open up my playlist here and just go through them. Okay, so it started with the first one I did actually was a, a 3D music video, which um was before the Bendy song. It was on Finds at Freddy's. And um that one I found just uh an animator out there it was my first time you know experiencing that and it was like a really i kind of got thrown into like how to work with an animator right away um and then after that i did the bendy song and then after that i started doing other things so yeah it was andrew i just started working with andrew for, for the first videos after that um and then i just started i started meeting more people uh and then the more i grew i started putting out posts being like hey i want to work with more people if, if you do this and this you know reach out to me, send me an email and I'd get emails and then I'd, I'd like check them out, check out their, their stuff. And I still do that. Um, and then I built a, uh, a little discord server 
with all these people in it and I organize all of the projects and I give everyone tags on what they do and we all talk and it's it's almost become like a small family at this at this point because all of us are in constant communication um, this is all like you know our channel at this point even though it's got my name on it like I still consider this our channel um, and it's just they always surprise me every single time they surprise me with something new and it's it's just it's hard to believe that I have like a business now or a, a, I guess a family <laughs> business I don't know <laughs> it's, <Old family> but, <laughs> it's yeah really uh I do consider these people family though and they're all they're all they've all been here for the long term and every new person we bring on to this project is just you know it's great to see new work and new skills being added to it. So, yeah, that's that's basically awesome. you know exactly what I do, essentially. Uh, Thomas, how long have you been on the team? Like several years at this point. Uh, three yeah, years. Good luck to you. He just uh, probably a bit a little longer than he, three. He lives under the stairs now. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I upgraded. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's like twelve in internet years. <laughs> it's 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 weird because you go from I started off doing freelancing. I was just a freelance musician who would make song for songs for disc games, and then after that, uh, I started doing my own stuff. But it was really weird because I was used to being the one getting hired, and I I had to make that mental switch to hiring others. And that was very weird because I had to start becoming more of a business person. I started having to, um, you know, wh whip up contracts mm -hmm. and, and, and tax forms and all these other crazy things, uh, or, or organizing payments, setting aside my income to pay people. And, and it, it, it's just the transition over the last three or four years has just been crazy because you're not used to yeah. doing things um, like that. Go ahead, Lauren. Yeah, you I was going to say, you you start to learn to balance like the left brain and right brain in those respects where you have to be a creative, creative, but you're also looking at things from that business perspective and having to look at the legalities and the technicalities and all the other alities. <laughs> yeah, uh, but and here's the hardest part, though, with that is that you can't let the business side take over mm -hmm. ever because often you'll find people in this industry, the business side will start taking over. And then you'll start seeing the content from those people suffering because of that, mm -hmm. because they start thinking it as in not just, uh, you know, what started off being creative and making your own stuff and growing in that, that awesome drive to keep going with that and growing as a musician becomes, what can I do to make a quick buck? What can I do to uh, hit the trends and make more money and, mm -hmm. and, you you stop thinking with your heart and you start thinking with your brain and i've i've fallen into that that pit a, l a couple times but every time i've i've gotten like thrown out because i i keep telling myself i can't do that as much as i want to keep finding trends and immediately going to to hopping on those trends and 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 making money from it I know that that's not going to be what i want to do and inside i'm not going to be feeling passionate yeah. about it mm -hmm. i know the feel and plus, and, and plus, at the same time, I mean, even if it were a trend, it's got to be something you like. It can't be just something yeah. that you're doing empty, emptily for the sake of 
cashing in on it, like you said, you know, just for that moment. Always. Because it's like, um, unless you really like it and you are truly inspired by it, it's like, otherwise there's really nothing truly driving it. Yeah, like, people will often ask me, like, why'd you make so many Bendy songs? Like, why are you making so many Bendy songs? Are you grinding to get more trends and, you know, that's what works? And I'm like, not really, no. Like, they're always surprised when I say no. I I actually genuinely enjoy the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I same with Five Nights at Freddy's. It's like you think that by now most people would be done with it, but I there's still a part of me that really holds on to that nostalgia from the first three or four games, and I'm like, I still really want to keep going with it. And it's like, you know, yeah, Scott clearly nostalgia. is not done with it either. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think he's the same way. I, I think that there's still a part of him that really like relishes and, and remembers the the good old times from when he first started working on it. I think he even said it in a Reddit post recently that he wishes he can go back to those days yeah. when it was just him working on it. And I totally get it. I absolutely totally get it. I, I think, you know, that nostalgia from the beginning of everything is just is what keeps us going. It's what keeps us wanting to make things. And I love it. Yeah, never forget yeah. your roots. <laughs> never forget your roots. That's that's a yeah, great way I'll to sum that up. Yeah, I'll do a takeaway. I'm surprised how much a lot of this is crossing over from what I do. And I don't know how intimate you are um, with, you know, with my channel and what I do. But we basically do something very similar where we have a team, production team, um, and we make content. Um, for the past and at the beginning, it was about um, My Little Pony. Um, and now it's kind of, um, I never say like we've moved on. It's more like we've, we're, we're slowly expanding to just talk about general animation and do general animation projects. And we have our first original animation in production, which has been on halt because mostly because of the current virus stuff, which makes things complicated, as well as um, the voice person I want to have on it is um, also complicated essentially is is the understatement of the of the century but um yeah i think that the main difference um which is mostly the big difference between me and other people that are content producers on youtube is um i'm non-profit like you know everyone's here on a volunteer basis which you know everyone is told that ahead of time but and it's obviously dependent on the depend on the individual with what they're personally want to gain out of the experience and I I'm, I really like add a bit about like I don't you know if you don't want to be here like don't 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 be here like what what are you wanting to get out of this so it's not just like because I think people are blinded by the whole like oh this person has you know this kind of following and they look at like things like the, the subscriber number and they think think oh well how can I personally benefit from doing specific things whether you're you're monetizing or not, and, like, you just, like, you know, you don't want to, like, as a producer, as a creator, you don't want to have, you don't want to have that in, you know, the atmosphere. You don't want to work with someone with that mindset because it leads to unflexibility. It might lead to some miscommunication. It might lead to dishonesty, and it just, like, it's not, it's not a good, healthy mm -hmm. working environment in general. But, um, yeah, I think the good thing, there, there's pros and cons about being nonprofit, but I think the biggest pro is I'm not personally um, limited with my creative freedom as what I want to do is it, it's just a matter of how, how long it will take time wise, you know, how am I going to divvy up the work, you know, will this, will this be worth it if we're going to do frame by frame animation versus just doing the usual visuals, that kind of thing. Um, but in doing that way and keeping it 
um, nonprofit, it it has like you everyone here has to be motivated by. Um, and Thomas, feel free to jump in. And Lauren, you know, does teamwork um, too when as as needed. So, but everyone kind of. Um, I lost my train of thought, but <laughs> but anyone, um, you know, it it has to be it has to come from a place of passion because if not, then no one's gonna want to mm -hmm. do it. You know, like I'm not like, and I think like money is kind of it does complicate things for for good and worse. And you know, I'm starting to slip into it becoming a business by doing conventions and making um, money on my own artwork for conventions and like, you know, paying other, paying team members if they're doing like a poster design or a t-shirt design and, you know, like, because I am, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, do this for free and then I'll make money from it. That's not right. So, um, you know, but I think that just comes down to a lot of internet collaboration projects in general is like, you have to be clear with your communication and you have to, you kind of just have to want to be there whether it's monetized or not because like if someone doesn't want to be there you can tell just by their attitude mm -hmm. just by you know how how flexible they are with like your notes or you know how much they know about the property you know things like that but um i guess let's let, let's backtrack and get on the music stuff because we can we can do pr producer episode er like all day every day <laughs> cuz like that is that is the bane of my existence <laughs> well I, there was one thing. There was one thing that you said in there that actually I wanted to point out, um, and it's that when people start thinking about the numbers and they only look, they, they like look at the subscriber count and the views, and they're like, "Whoa, fifteen, twenty million views! That's unfathomable. I want to have that." And you know, I think starting out when you have nothing and you're, you're you're looking up at, like when you have nothing to do but look but look up and see all these creators ahead of you, you have nothing but the urge to want to get there as well and i think that's what drives people to get into this because when i started out yes i had a passion for these games and yes i wanted to make songs about them but a huge factor for me wanting to get into this as well was because i wanted to be up there with them and i think that's what gets a lot of content creators into youtube so i don't necessarily think it's like mm -hmm. a, a bad thing i think if you still have it once you've already established yourself, then it becomes a bad habit. But I think when you're starting out and all all you can do is look up, I mean, just go for it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great goal to get started and start start getting towards 100 subscribers, 1,000 subscribers, you know, 20, 30, 50. And then you just start to realize, wow, I'm establishing myself. I'm, I'm actually doing mm -hmm. something and I'm really proud of it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, always work towards a higher goal. Always. Yeah. I think um, like not from the like leader of a team point of view but from a fan point of view uh you, you know you've been mentioning about uh profit versus passion essentially which there's always mm -hmm. a balance to maintain uh, mm -hmm. and i think that generally um most fans uh will notice like a lack of passion and i think i like i've seen a lot, a few channels where they have sort of gone more on the profit side, and it is obvious to people that they see that the person is still passionate, so they continue to support them uh, through what they're doing. So even though they are, you know, looking more at profits and maintaining a format, um, they still, if, if they, if they still feel that the creator is doing it because they are enjoying it as well, not just to make money. 
then I think that's how part of how the balance is is kept where people still want to support mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. um that's how that's how I feel from what I see anyway yeah. in 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 my new business model in general and I think a lot of people's um when they've already hit a specific cap like specific cap like in general like our channel hasn't had a lot of growth in the last couple of years just because we've been sticking mostly with my little pony stuff and I haven't been collaborating and you know there's been other factors um you know as well but I think you know I think the the growth for more and like it, you can by by growing you can kind of share your passions with people that might not have found you another way like you know um like for animation content in general you know if you're a prominent creator and you talk about like an underrated um show or you know movie or whatever and um people are drawn to you because they they're familiar with you as the creator but then you're introducing people to a new medium or a new um a new thing that they potentially might really like and then you know you're you're doing a service to that um original thing because you're showing people it which is i think i think is really important but anyway okay back to music back to music (laughs) so um yeah, so Kyle. Hey, back to music. It's all tied it's, into it's, the same. Yeah, it's right. fine. Um, but I was so how do you, so Kyle? I guess Kyle first as usual. But like, break down your work process. Um, like getting up FLA Studios and, um, you know how how do you kind of break down? Because you guys are working from very different um perspectives as far as like, you know, the the main person, the main creative vision versus. Get, getting assigned something that needs a score, I guess, um, to put it a little plainly. So, um, so Kyle, how do you how do you start? How do you how do you do your stuff? Yeah. So w- you ask this to any creator. Every response is different. Sometimes they'll say, "Oh, I make the instrumental first. Oh, I make the lyrics first. Oh, I record myself singing a melody and then I put the lyrics in, and then I do the instrumental." Or it's like, "Oh, I go to the piano first. Oh, I play it on my guitar. Whatever." Like, there's a different answer for everyone. There's no right way of doing anything. Um, and for me, I will. I, I'm not the best lyricist. And I didn't really start doing lyrics until I started doing all of this. So about three years ago. Um, But making like hearing instrumentals and making instrumentals in my head was always like my go-to. So I'll often make the instrumental first and then I'll write the, the lyrics and then just improv a melody to it. Like on the spot, I'll just think of something and then put record, like hit record. Mm. Um, But yeah, yeah, that's usually what I do. And then, so like what I usually do is instrumental, make the lyrics, record it, and then I export every single layer to the instrumental and the lyrics and the singing and whatever. And then I send that to, I send the 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 vocals to my vocal processing guy who makes, he makes sure that all the pitches are like perfectly like in sync and everything, like tunes it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then I go to my mixing guy, <laughs> I have two guys. Um, and then my, my mixing guy matrix will, uh, uh, Nathan will just go ahead and mix it all up and we'll review it together. Make sure we get the the thing we want to sound like. Uh, and then I, I get it all together here and then, uh, I send to the video editor while they're doing that. Like I, I'll usually have the video editor or the animator have like a demo version while they work on it. Um, and then. You know, I'll send them the final one. They'll give me the whole video, 
And then at the very end, I schedule the video, uh, throw the song in stores, and then while that's being uploaded, we wait. <laughs> and then it gets uploaded. We wait. <laughs> I'm thinking about it's a lot. It's a lot of steps. Um, yeah, it's a lot of, a um, lot of steps. And specifically uh, with your instrumental stuff, like how does that work? Do you like record yourself like singing a melody and then you translate that to FLA Studios? Like, or you just open, like you just start? So... A lot of people will use um, a keyboard to, to to like put in the notes and stuff. I I was never really a pianist or anything like that, so I just kind of put in the notes manually and I just I just go straight into it. Yeah, I just I just I pick out the instruments I want, um, and then I put in the notes and I just keep trying it again and again and again, putting more stuff, more layers, um, and I just keep working on it for as long as I can until Feel. it's complete. Um, I, I just kind of like just go yeah. like writing for me is always the easiest process and then recording is always the worst because it's just talking to yourself for it's the most therapeutic you know I, I guess it's different <laughs> because it's just like you're you're just working on yourself for a while I feel like there's a masturbation Dorendo in here somewhere but anyway it's just like yeah. you know that's the most isolating process in general and then you get to like open the floodgates um, as it were and you know like what do you this is done what do you think um, I have my pre-reader saying, like, what do you think? Are my points clear? Like, is this good? Is this funny? Kind of thing. So um, and so, what about you, Thomas? What is your general creative process uh, when you're making music? Okay. So I will go through that, but I wanted to ask kind of a follow-up question to him, and I'll, I guess I'll add it to my own at okay. the end. So um, I, I wanted to know, um, do, do you ever – do you have any particular – musical techniques you 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 tend to favor kyle like do you do you think about uh anything related to music theory when you write oh yeah all the time since i i, I grew up with a music theory background um i will can I, I interject can you define music theory for people who, who might not know what it is me yeah i'm bad at it Given definitions, one of you. <laughs> it's like okay. The, uh, oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's like <laughs> the way I think of it is: it's if you think of music like a clock, uh, the music theory is the gears inside. So, like, music theory is about the technicality of music, like how, for example, like how notes relate to each other, um, and sort of how music is constructed. You know, like if you're someone who doesn't think about it as much, when they hear a piece of music, they might not give it a second thought. There might be things like patterns or certain, you know, uh, certain rhythms uh, and music theory kind of explains that and it can also help guide what... um can also sort of define what... um how certain things in music work and how you can use them to your advantage uh is that a decent explanation kyle you have anything to add yeah i think i think so um it also can go into like thinking about chord structures so like when a chord is layered um you can like whether if you if you raise a note in a chord by just one little bit it changes the entire t like what the chord is yeah and every single chord pretty much has like a name, and they can get really complex to the point where I don't even know what they are. Yeah, but um, uh, you're playing so, a G major nine eleven flat seven right now, man. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. See, there, there, there are people... There are people who have doctorates in this stuff, and they can give you that right away. Like the guy who taught me how to how to sing, um, has a doc had a doctorate, and he was incredibly smart on all this stuff. Well, I'll never understand how he knows the things he knows, and he went to these crazy, these insanely talented places and colleges growing up as a kid. And but uh, <laughs> uh, that wasn't the route for me. I went I went a different route, but. Um, growing up, the music theory was kind of more so like just planted into my head and grew over time to the point where I don't have to think about it logically. I don't think, okay, I'm going to play a G major seven on this one and then an inverted this, that, and whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just kind of, it's in me now. I don't have to think too much about it. Versions are very important, but, um, like tonality, because you can play the same chord like three yeah. different ways and e even though it's the same chord there's a different feeling depending on what note is on the bottom and I've... yeah and it, there are even sometimes where i would i would like listen to other people's songs and i like you know like and i'd be like hmm i wonder what like how they designed this chord so i tried replicating it i'm like oh okay i'll just take the middle note from this simple major chord and drop it down an octave and whoa it sounds like that <laughs> chord it's completely different same chord but different you know layout for it and i like it, it's fun to kind of use what you learned growing up with music theory and then putting your own twist on it because there's something i learned in uh these classes from with like choir and band percussion everything i was in um it's that music theory was meant to be broken yes mm -hmm. agreed when you break music theory, that's when you truly get something original, and that's when you truly get something unique that you can like put out Some there. people ask why I learn music theory if the point is to break it. The way music you learn music theory so you know the best way to break it, in a, in, in a sense. So you, you understand mm -hmm. how, how it all works and how, you know, the st standard music structures or chord structures and then you think what if i changed it in this way or did this and then that's how you i think that's how it is that kind of what you mean by the point of music theory is to break it because I, I agree yeah definitely with you on that one um i'm mean, thinking about you, you say you you're, you're into your games aren't you um, like I, I saw a video recent, a couple of weeks ago on, uh, have you played Final Fantasy VII, the original one? Uh, no, okay. I have so, not, but I, I know of the Final Fantasy Like series. the victory fanfare, by the da 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 in 7 specifically. Yes, uh, There was yes. a video, like, sort of breaking down that, and it is interesting, because he doesn't have, he doesn't think about music theory, he... He does it by feeling, uh, but he's ve mm -hmm. he's just very naturally gifted at picking out these things, and he uses very un because the theme is used as a victory theme, so it's usually that would be completely bright and cheerful and very standard stuff. Mm -hmm. But he has, yeah. uh, you should listen to the track. He 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 does he does some very interesting things in the music and that's kind of like he's you you know the music theory uh, all make all makes sense and a lot of it stays in very 
traditional notes right you'd have for that kind of theme but then it it expands into different uh into different things while still fitting the piece if you know if you know what i mean oh yeah i know, I know exactly what you mean yeah no, i'm i'm getting every bit of this yeah. Okay. so <laughs> yeah i totally i'm right there with you yeah uh kp what was the first question uh because I don't. Re- I was just thinking about that. I don't. I don't remember. I was um, asking you guys to break oh, down. Oh, writing um, prose. Oh yeah. Or, right. So yeah. You use FL Studio, don't you, Chris? Kyle. Sorry. Uh, my bad. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use FL mm-hmm. Studio now. So like for me, I started very. Uh, yeah, I started. Uh, I actually. Yeah, the one I originally used is the one I still use now. I became quite attached. Is Logic Pro. Uh. Oh, so yeah, when yeah. I started, it was Logic Pro eight or nine, something like that. Uh, so um, at first, we used it in college, and then when I got my own computer, I started with GarageBand until I could afford uh, to buy Logic Pro and that. Uh, so um, I use Logic Pro along with most of the VSTs the record. Uh, so it's like the instruments uh, is the way I describe it. I use most of the ones Logic provides, except um, for for symphonic strings and percussion and all that. Uh, I use the one I use is expensive, so I don't recommend this, but I'll recommend a free one as well. Um, I I I I use East West uh, Symphonic Orchestra. Yep. Same. Nice. Same. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so <East> good. West <laughs> is amazing. It is. It's I I they you can't tell the difference between a real between like a like a, a live performance and a you know what they do. It, it's crazy. Yeah, they, they, that stuff is great. If you if you want to like up, up your sound game, go for it. If you can they they have a sale usually on July the fourth because uh, that's a holiday in America. I don't remember which one. Sorry, Americans. I <laughs> I wish they had more sax. They don't have any. They don't have enough sax samples though. They need more saxophones. Yeah, uh, I've looked everywhere on there for it's saxophones hard to and very uh, authentically, even with samples. Especially saxophones. They've got a lot of techniques that they use. Um, and I mean they've they've got great brass. The Hollywood brass is amazing as well. Uh, this whole podcast is now going to be promoting East West. <laughs> um, not sponsored. Not sponsored. No. <laughs> yeah, sponsor. Uh, but yeah, I love. I mean, for 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 their saxophones though, I or any kind of like like pop brass. They have like a pop brass section. I like to use a lot. Yeah, it's really good. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, so sorry, I keep that's going. All right. Uh, but there is a they are free uh, orchestra ones. Like for orchestra, I do not, and I, I do mean do not recommend the Logic Pro built-in <laughs> orchestra ones. They're not even for like low and stuff. It's not not great, but there is free yeah. options. So this, I was trying to find the one I used a, a while a while back, but sadly I can't seem to find it anywhere. But there is something called Sonatina Symphonic Orchestra. And that is free. And that for a free VST, it's pretty good. And it seems it gives it seems to give a lot 
lot of uh, instruments. So, I, and also I used, um, sadly I don't remember the name of the sample pack, but uh, S for Zando, like that's all one word, S-F-O-R-Z-A-N-D-O. Uh, is like a oh Sportsando Sport Sportsando. That's how you yeah. pronounce it. Sport. Oh. Yes. I can't even Sportsando. It's a yeah music theory. It's like the bah, that thing where you heart attack and then you grow from the yeah yeah oh yeah right and Sportsando. It's it's a weird word. Sportsando. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's why I I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> all those Italian words in in music theory that torment me sometimes some words stuck for me some words don't i you forget some you, you remember some yeah sometimes <laughs> i look at something like piece of music i'm like wait what does that mean again <laughs> it's like yeah and sometimes like just in you know it's like obvious it's that but other times i'm confused yeah. so yeah sorry I, I am getting a little off track but what i mean is i use east west for orchestra but there are free options and cheaper options that are good. Uh, I recommend if you're looking into that, especially like the paid ones, you should you should listen for yourself first, like on some demos. Don't just listen to the first one. Listen to a few. Uh, see how mm. it sounds. Uh, look at reviews, you know, online. Uh, I know there are some biased ones, especially if it's reviewed by someone you know, sponsored by a company. But, you know, try and get a few different opinions and listen to yourself and then decide if that's what you wanna what you wanna go with. Um so there's also something I realized. Um when when I was I had a lot of people who were starting out who asked me like what kind of orchestral samples to use and even if you use like the like some basic samples that come with the program that you have, um, make um, just just throw some reverb at it, <laughs> and that'll kind of mask up that it sounds like a sample. Yes, uh, that's what I did if you, with it, free Logic Pro Orchestra. <laughs> just reverb, and yeah, it sounds it, less bad. If you, if yeah, <laughs> if you cover something up enough with. Uh, with reverb, you won't be able to tell too much that it's it's what it is. It'll sound a, l- a little more authentic. Yeah, and so that that's another little another, tip. Another <laughs> this is this is kind of like cheese straps, but uh, if you're using um like for example the the, the ones built into your door with digital audio workshop, it's where you make the music. Um, so yeah. uh. If you're using like strings, for example, there's usually a bit of delay with the strings. So if you're looking for precision, move the notes slightly back. Like, uh, have you ever done this, Kyle? You probably won't when you have yes. But... <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, because oftentimes um, it takes a little bit of time to kind of get to the peak of the beginning of that note. So you offset them by back a little bit so it sounds more on time. Yeah, like yeah, only, yeah. I've only done a that little too. To tighten up the time yeah. so that is a, a thing I, i'm just going into tip mode but uh yeah so <laughs> I, I uh i use logic well that was sorry i was just gonna say kind of um i'll i'll do my sh- i'll just ask the, the or do the last question and then um i guess you guys can repeat some of the information slash go into more detail 
So usually um, the, the ending question for this is for, we always try to advocate that people don't necessarily have to, you know, go to some fancy musical music school or art school or, or whatever to learn these skills if they want to. Like um, the, in the day, in, the, in this day and age with the internet having everything ever, um, you can learn a lot of stuff on your own. Um, I think, and this will probably be more of a theme as we talk about more of the um, art, um, art fundamental episodes is that you just kind of have to do it. You know, we can, we can tell you how to make music or make art or, or, you know, how to open Photoshop or whatever, whatever the case may be. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to you if you really want to do this to take on that responsibility and start really like gripping down and, and doing it. And sometimes people need school as a kind of box to put themselves in to focus on that. Like I work, I learn better with school and it's very hard for me to learn stuff on my own. But um, yeah, so anyway, so with the internet stuff like that, even not so much, not only just um, uh, um, softwares that you guys use to write your own music that you can talk about the pros and cons or repeat some of them or go into detail or whatever the case, but um, for, for just kind of learning fundamental like music, the like music theory and like learning how to read music and, you know, basic um, skills like that. Do you guys have any recommendations for, um, you know, YouTubers that they can watch that break down like very beginner steps, you know, to kind of grow and grow and grow um, any or just general just general advice for people who want to learn that might not have the resources to go to go to music college or what have you. Uh, even though that's not how I came about learning things, I definitely think that now with how prominent the internet is and how much is out there there's definitely there's definitely an abundance of resources for you to, le to learn all these things and um yeah i i think there's a lot of great tools and tutorials out there to learn how to do music theory how to work in these programs just everything everything's out there yeah um thomas do you have any general do you like do you do you have anyone specific to to recommend yeah um like i said I learned very from self study and from uni, and I don't I don't tend to use online stuff. But I've been learning things like I learn I've been learning video editing past month or two, uh, just for for leisure, and um, for the more important part like um, coding in in a C sharp, you know, because um, because uh, I want to do. I'm doing like music for games and that. Uh, this is another general tip thing. If you want, if you want to do music for games, learn about at least about programming. You don't have to be able to program a game by yourself, but you should be able to understand and and follow and help because I think the difference nowadays, like between a, uh, like if you're on a game jam or something. If you know how to how to code and implement the music yourself, uh, people you know that gives a good impression of you, and it makes people want to work with you more because um, you can you can sort of help uh, and you know put in the music yourself as well as help with like little bug things and that. So I think it makes you more. Um, it gives you more skills to use but um yeah so for um tips is so like the reason i brought up video editing and all that is because 
stuff like not sponsored, Skillshare, for example. I've been using that for video editing stuff. And if you find the right course, you you can really um, learn a lot. Like the, there's obviously different people teaching different things. You'll, you might have to go through a, a couple of courses to find one that suits you. But I find that that's really helpful, especially since most of them do series and it's all consistently made. Um, so for music theory, um, for example, like I think it's important to learn sheet music. Um, so I'm trying to think of there's that there's a there's a few different places you can get sheet music from, uh, and you should practice reading something simple. Uh, and I think it's also important to stuff, know stuff like the circle of fifths, uh, which is how, it, which explains how keys work, like key signatures. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of very specific. I hated a test for that, by the way, the circle of fifths. Oh, I hated that test so much. What, what <laughs> test do you mean? Sorry. I, I don't, I don't, it was a while ago. It was when I was back when I was in college, but they, they would test us on the circle of fifths and oh, how many uh, keys in uh, so how many shots in B major, like five. Yes, yeah, yeah that was it. That was it. Okay. I hated that so <laughs> I never, much. I never did <laughs> oh, that. I hated that so much, but uh, like I, I, I really got interested in the theory side, especially in college and then into uni. Uh, like that was my favorite, it subject. was definitely interesting. Uh, uh, but yeah, like the circle of fifths was the thing that got me to really get the ball rolling. It was one of the early things introduced. And then it's like, oh, like, you, you know, I hadn't thought even thought of key signatures before. I knew what it was, but not why it was important. And then it was learning stuff like, oh, uh, different instruments are like wind instruments are tuned to different keys so sometimes you need to transpose music like move all the notes yeah. down three notes but then it's the same notes yeah. <laughs> you know it yeah it's crazy those things are, are crazy that, that that's i learned that working with my sibelius program um because they would do it for you it, it, if the notes were for a certain instrument it recognized that and then uh uh change the key uh, signature accordingly mm. yeah I, I i i didn't use sibelius a lot i did use it back then but i like i say i thought it was so it took so long to program the notes in uh yeah so um a little tangent again i'm, I'm all about tangents uh, <laughs> um you say that you put in the notes by you 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 putting the notes uh, on your computer rather than playing them through a USB keyboard. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what well, do you do that? Because you find it, it do you find it quicker? Uh, then like, for example, yeah, I, oh, go on. I think so. Yeah. I, I do find it quick, uh, a lot quicker just to manually put them in. Um, because for me, I, I tried using the keyboard method, but then you got to quantize all the notes, make sure they're all in time. And then um, you got to like switch back and forth. I'm, and also like, there's also, <laughs> I have a big keyboard, but not enough space to use it. 
So what I'm thinking about doing eventually is getting a new setup where I can put the keyboard underneath my my desk and then pull it out easier. And then, you know, it might make the workflow a little easier. So um, even though I know it's more common to use a keyboard, I just use the notes because like putting them in because it's a lot easier for me personally. Yeah, definitely nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I did it before yeah. I got a keyboard, but I did really like the having it there i kind of do a bit of both like i i play it physically and then i tend to touch it up uh in post you know if because i i again i i i'm not much of a pianist uh i i usually have to play it and then um edit it around but sometimes especially if i'm doing for example atmospheric music I, I like having, mm. um, I tend to, um, like prefer to play it by hand because it, the, the sort of transitions between chords has more spacing and feels more natural. Uh, okay. I, I get that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so like for techniques about, oh, okay. Here's another thing. So. Um, I meant I mentioned like you should look up music theory, and I do. I think that's important uh, to understand sheet music. Uh, but if you are, if you're someone who's listening to this who's interested in film or game music, you should know that there are techniques specific to those to those styles that you should be aware of and look into. So that that can be like a quick Google search like game music techniques or film music techniques, stuff like that. Especially in mm-hmm. film, I think there's a lot of resources that explain things like like motifs, which is a favourite of mine, or um, or um, like Mickey Mouse. And Go on. If, uh, if, if, and if I can like cut in here, I think, and if the, there's another option too, where you don't really have to learn music theory, you really don't you have to be a good listener though you have to listen and listen and listen to other artists and 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 music music that you probably wouldn't listen to normally and then don't just listen to it but listen really deep into it and imagine what are they doing like try and pick out every element of the song and imagine like oh i didn't recognize the bass did this or i didn't recognize that the chords had this pattern going in the background and little things like that will kind of um, open your eyes more to becoming a composer and layering like a yes, composer. Layering is, is very important. I think like yeah, uh, having sort of having the mix between habit, not having too much and not having too little. And uh, there's, there's something called spacing. So like, yeah, uh, if you're familiar with frequencies, uh, all sound, uh, I'm bound, I don't know how to explain that in a very, very quick and easy way. That goes into mixing, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like mixing. Uh, yeah. I, 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 if you've ever heard of the term muddy, when something sounds muddy, it's because there's too much going on in one space. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something I like. If you have, if you had, if you have like solid chords, a solid bass, a sub bass, a solid lead, solid vocals, all of that, 
you're putting too much just all at once just blam right it's just like yeah boom too much but if you have like a short bass and then give the chords like a little bit of a pattern to it and then have the vocalists a little more light and bouncy you're adding more of that space in between each note and it's like a cake you don't do you, do you want like a really thick heavy rich cheesecake that's i love cheesecake by the way but like do you want like a really heavy like like goopy cake or do you want like a light and fluffy cake where every little crumb is like you know, spaced out with a little bit of air in between it that's what makes a track a track you know having that spacing in between each element yeah yeah and go going on your point of like really listening to the music uh if you're like a fan of like film and game music and that you you might do this anyway but um maybe do it some more so for example with film right um when you yeah <laughs> when you what when you when you're watching a film as a musician you you probably are paying attention to the music in some way and it is important it's important to analyze while you're watching the film, how the music accompanies the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you should also oh, listen chime in on to the music. Um, you should listen to the music on its own, on like Spotify or iTunes or whatever, or YouTube. Uh, you should listen to it and pay close attention to the music by itself so you understand the technical side. And then what I mentioned before about how you should know film techniques, like music film mm. techniques. That's how what you learn from watching the film. So you watch the film to see how the music interacts with the film and the purpose the music serves. Because if music is overbearing in a film, uh, it takes away from the dialogue or the scene uh, or, the, you know, stuff like that. But you should listen to yeah. music on its own for the technical music side as well absolutely and i i totally agree with you on that um something that i uh i picked up watching films because um even though right now what i'm doing is just more kind of like pop music and drum and bass and just more modern stuff making music for films is like my passion (laughs) that is the number one thing that i am very very passionate about and I wish I could do more of it. So, uh, actually, that's a like a thing. Uh, I don't know if you do it at the end of a, of of this or whatever, but uh, you you should and me as well, I guess. You should uh, plug like your uh, website or where you you know where people can find your stuff. If you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we're getting to that. Oh, I'm yeah. Just, I'm yeah. just... Fair enough. <laughs> there, there is one thing I want to say, though, uh, that was in regards to all that before I started, like, you know, going into my fantasy of make, being a film composer full-time. Um, something that I really love is that uh, knowing when to put music in a film, because sometimes yes. the best time to put music in the film is none. Yeah. Removing the music from a film sometimes gives the film even more impact as to the story you're trying to portray to the to the people watching it and i just i love little things of knowing that yeah. uh I, i'm trying to remember the name of the film sadly oh it's really annoying me it is an amazing uh ending scene to a, a, a film like sort of a standoff and 
this is kind of going into sound design a little, uh, but um, what do you call those like mining digger things? Uh, I, I don't know how to describe them, but there's like a scene in. Um, oh, it's that. Why do you think about that? Something I did want to say as well was you know that the film composer did a really good job when you don't even notice that the music's playing during the scene. If you can't tell that there's even music playing at all, that means they did such a good job because it's perfectly in sync with the mood and with the you, story. It's about uh, being able to feel the music and it, it's meant to be a part yeah. of it, not a... Uh, yes, yes, yeah. I think some... Absolutely. It, it, I guess it, it does depend on the film and the scene. Like, obviously, there are films where music is specifically set you know where scenes are set to music or the music is overbearing on purpose like uh have you seen any have you seen either uncut gems or get out the films i don't think so okay so it's by the safety brothers uh they're called the directors and their use of music uh this their films are very their films are about building tension over time. So, like the 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 main character will, uh, you know, be in in a situation, and you the point is that you feel the situation growing worse and worse. The whole film, everything, sort of slowly builds up, and then the music in that at first is very, uh, sort of low and not meant to be noticed that much but as the film goes on into its more tense scenes the music is supposed to take over and actually supposed to become overbearing intentionally to create this feeling of um like suffocation essentially it's trying to suffocate the audience and the music plays a part of that so there are there are times when a scene needs uh, uh like music outside of you know where it needs to be noticed or in a dramatic scene like i don't know uh saw like saw one like for example uh like the final scene uh the music is very very noticeable and it is iconic but for that scene it's very appropriate as it is supposed to be very uh sort of melodramatic in a sense, and I think in that in that case, it really serves uh, the purpose of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do get I get that a lot. I agree. It, yeah. it is uh, in a way we're kind of both making points that almost contradict each other, but it's because we're both we <laughs> all correct. <laughs> it, it, it's the 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 most important thing is that you pay attention to the scene and understand. Try to understand what they are what they are going for what 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 should should the music be noticed in the scene what emotion should be felt in this scene stuff like that and with what i do right now the music is more prominent than the the video but with film it's the other way around where the video is more prominent than the film than the music score and your job as the composer is to make sure that what you're doing is for the film. Like you're not, the music is not to take the spotlight. It is to help 
make the film better uh, yeah yeah it, it's yeah. um so that's actually a good point because even with my examples like saw and that or i don't know star trek into darkness for example you uh the music is meant to be noticed and it uses light motifs to oh uh, yeah it's very should iconic. i explain yeah. what light motifs are is it general knowledge i don't know uh, to people uh, listening, um, knowledge. yeah, just I guess quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I, I oh, said right. go ahead. So yeah. light motif is like a recurring, a recurring, recurring melody. Usually, it. Oh, it's the the theme. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the main theme. So, um, again, going back to I know Saw, the um, in Saw three, uh, all that. That, that that music from the end of the first one is is used and but the melody is used in different key signatures in and meant to evoke a different emotion uh in certain scenes and the reuse of a melody serves a purpose um because it can be used to identify a character sometimes so like a, a, a melody might be associated with a character it might be associated with a place or with an event. Yeah. For example. Yeah. And to wrap to wrap that up actually, I have a really good um like uh I could explain that one too. Like with uh the melody in films, you'll hear it brought back several times. Uh like if a character dies, you'll hear it played really sad. If but if if the mood gets really happy towards the end of the film and like it's a dramatic happy ending, they will play that theme again, but in a much more exciting light. And uh, one of my favorite ones of doing this are two movies by my favorite composer, uh, Michael Giacchino. Oh my goodness! That, oh, Jura- uh, Jurassic World. Rad- I love his work. I like that. what he did for that one too, but that was mostly John Williams who made the theme. But with the, this one, I'm talking about. Uh, is Ratatouille and Up. Those two movies, oh my goodness. The themes for those, not only are they iconic, but he brings them back several times throughout the movie uh, from the beginning of Up, where, spoiler alert, you know, his wife dies. Snake kills what? I know, I'm sorry. But um, that theme gets embedded into your head right away from the very beginning, and it has a sad a really sad attachment to it, but he brings it back more and more throughout the movie in a positive light, in a scary light, whatever. And that gave it much more meaning to it until the very end when he finally plays the last motif for it and establishing a a strong connection for a theme and bringing it back in the current and even future movies is what gives it such a strong impact to the human mind. I, I need to see those films again. I've only seen them both once, so I uh, I didn't know he wrote that music. Uh, I'll have to I'll oh, have to Disney fanatic. I'll have to check that out again <laughs> from your recommendation. Um, Absolutely. I, I was thinking of um, I, I had to look his name because I forget his name sometimes. But uh, Bernard Herrmann on Psycho, mm-hmm. uh, like. Uh, have you ever heard the psycho theme? Not the da, 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 not that part. The actual main theme. Uh, that 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 theme is it, and its melody is used uh, like three or four. Uh, 
think it's three times, and they all, the first one is for the opening, but it's used to subvert, uh, sub subvert expectations in a way, and also to uh, build tension as you, you sort of associate it with this killer, but at this point in the film you haven't seen the killer, and it plays when the main character, uh, uh, I think her name is Mary, um, is has just committed a crime, like she's stolen a lot of money and she's making a run, and that's the second time you hear this music. And it's sort of making... Uh, it's sort of used to sort of, you know, um, make you sort of question this character, you know, in, in a way. I think that's how... Uh, it's used, but it's used again later for the actual uh, psycho uh, killer. It's also just um, a good score. Um, How are we on time? Oh, uh, oh. Um, we do need to wrap. You guys are kind of going over no, already. I'm sorry. <laughs> this has been music. I was just like, I'm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll have a separate episode down the line for just like scoring for stuff for for film and like. Oh you know, yeah. You know, that, that, I think that's just kind of taking the over over the conversation, and that just like that seems like a lot of the themes we touched upon here can just be like whole three hour rants on their own. But anyway, <laughs> to backtrack a little bit, so um, so Kyle and 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 Thomas, can you give some both free and not free recommendations for music uh, mu music programs. I know we talked about them a little bit, just but reiterate them. And then um, if you want to leave places that people can find you if they're if they're curious, and I, I think I think that should be good before we're here for another five hours. <laughs> uh, I don't have any, I don't have recommendations for free programs because the ones that I used to use they're now paid programs because uh, okay, they were just fair. starting out. But uh, I'd say any paid program has free trials. Just go ahead and use up those free trials as much as you can to learn how it works and then just yeah you can you can do a lot with free trials yeah so i think i think fl studio is the the running theme what yeah. about you thomas do you FL have any studio. recommendations on anything so let's say i i use logic pro as my main door which is used for the music um but back in my day, I don't know what how what price it is now, but I recall it being about one hundred and fifty pound. Uh, so it is a low priced one. Uh, for it for its thing, it's not like for example Pro Tools, uh, where they ask you which leg you want to sell off first. Um, Pro Tools is usually paid on subscription, and it is really good. Uh, but buying it like outright to keep is expensive. It's like Premiere Pro in that sense, where if you bought it outright, it'd be a lot of money, but you could buy a subscription. So I recommend Logic Pro because it is it is fairly priced. Uh, Reaper is another door, and it is uh, it gives a good free trial for you to use, and it is a good program. Um, the one we're using right now, uh, I try not to get it too much, I, I promise this time. Uh, audacity uh so the thing that's good about audacity is um it it can it you can apply a lot of uh, effects it's good for a simple recording but if you if you're having like issues with let's say a recording where 
there's background noise or you want to remove a, the vocals from something, Audacity's good for stuff like that as a free software. So have that. Uh, other than that, if you really want to do synths, like com complicated stuff, and you uh, get Max MSP, um, and I think that is it really for recommendations. Get GarageBand if you can't, if you have no money. It's like Logic Pro but free and less stuff. So try that. Fair enough. All right, so for people who want to stalk you, where can they um, find you, Kyle, and then uh, Thomas in, in general? I think you have a Twitter, right? Uh, YouTube. Um, just look up Kyle Allen Music, and uh, that's – I'm there. <laughs> Everything is linked to there, so you'll find me Fair there. Enough. Or kyleallenmusic.com. That's also my website, so yeah. What about you, Thomas? Where can people find you if they want to find you? A dark alleyway. <laughs> That's where you find me. Uh, I so you can find me on Twitter as a Tom Collins composer, and my website with all my um, all the things I've done on it is the pinned tweet on my profile picture so that's the best way to find me let me check i just got the name right oh sorry it's thomas com at com at thomas composer all one word so at thomas composer i was wrong <laughs> what a surprise it's okay it's all good oh okay so um i think that's i think that's it yeah. for now um before yeah, I was gonna say thank you guys again think... so much for joining us today and sharing imparting your musical wisdom upon us upon, upon the children my <laughs> musical wisdom <laughs> oh my god brian bless it absolutely when did you make a cameo <laughs> <laughs> uh... Dang it, I forgot um, to mention I do voice acting too. That's a whole section I forgot to mention. No. Oh, really? Whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> we need another hour. We can do, we can... Another hour. Yay, another, another hour. hour. <laughs> we, can, we can do a New voice recording, act. part two. We can do oh, no, a no. voice acting podcast. We'll, we can get like a dais or something of people up for that. <laughs> That'd be fun. That, that's the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, I think I think this is this is good notes for the future. So we'll probably um, bring Kyle back uh, kicking and dragging for something. And, and Thomas, too, if we can find him. Um, but anyway, if you're new to I the mean, podcast... Uh, dark ahead, Alley. Yeah, exactly. Any Dark Alley will do. Go to Dark Just Alley. Say, uh, uh, Thomas Collins well, at the very least, it looks like and I appear. <laughs> Sorry, well, at the going. very least, it seems like you guys made good friends with each other. So absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, anyway, so if you're new to listening to the podcast, we upload episodes every Wednesday, 6 a.m. Eastern on SoundCloud and iTunes and whatever, uh, Spotify, and then um, usually at 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube for the YouTube version in case you find that to be the better version. I, I don't Whatever, whatever. I don't care as long as you're listening to it. It's cool. So, um, yeah, and then make sure you subscribe and... Um, Join us next week as we talk about something that I don't know yet. And then, if you're again, if you're new, um, feel free to archive. We're up to about ten or eleven episodes um, of this recording, so feel free. We we do have a little bit of a library if you're if you're new again. Um, 
I don't know, join our Discord server. It's cool, yo. But all right, um, so we'll see everyone um, or listen, come see us next time on the internet, I guess. <laughs> um, bye, bye, listeners. Bye. Bye. Listening. <laughs>